This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Nick Loper here from the Side Hustle Show. When I'm not helping people earn money outside of their day job, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and gimmick diets don't work. So we'll ask the question, what are the fad diets in personal finance? Joining us today from Smart Money Mamas, it's the woman we refer to as a verb when she's not here, Chelsea Brennan. And from the Afford Anything podcast, Paula Pant. From LenPenzo.com, yep, you guessed it, it's the one and only Mr. T. I'm just kidding, Mr. T is getting a fresh new birthday mohawk, so you're just stuck with old Len Penzo. Plus, Hoping to get a handle on your retirement, we did you a solid and built you the ultimate retirement design lab. And internally, we call it the retirement stack a lotter. We'll share how it works with our partner, creator Steve Chen, during our Friday FinTech segment. Finally, we'll magnify one lucky listener's money and I'll get the gears turning with my TV-related trivia. And now, a guy who... I mean, he just pities the fool. It's Joe Saul Seahide. I pity the fool that isn't me with this group of people. Are you kidding me? I get to hang out with all of you on a Friday. Hey, everybody. Let me be the first to welcome you to Friday. I'm Joe Saul Seahide, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And we have a rowdy bunch of people here for a Friday. Let's start deep under Los Angeles. Where Mr. Len Penzo is huddled up in his bunker, ready to podcast. I am ready. It's great to be here, Joe, as always, and uh, can't wait to see what you have in store for us today. I can't wait to see what I have. Was I supposed to plan something? Was I bringing the show? Well, I will say this. The thing you sent me, I, I thought you were trying to send me a message, actually, about the weight loss. So, I, you know, I was like, why did you just come out and tell me directly instead of sending me this article? But that's a, Well, you know, you, you hint first, Len. That's that's what friends do. Just kind of, you know, maybe you need to put down the ice cream, big guy. And then there's the phrase big guy. Oh, that's OK. Right. That works for me. I like hearing that. And from some other undisclosed location, from the Afford Anything podcast, Paula Pants here. 
Can we divulge who today's guest is? Because I have such a follow-up comment that's going to come after we reveal the identity of today's guest. Okay, we'll get back to Paula Pant. And here from Smart Money Mama. Producer Paula Pant. It is our good friend, Chelsea Brendan. And I love, by the way, Chelsea, when you're on, because whenever you come on the show, there's somebody new to our Facebook group who goes, you mean Chelsea Brennan is a real person? I am so glad to be mentioned in some of your reviews. It makes me feel, you know, super special to actually be invited back and talk to you in person. (laughs) Every time you're here, we always have a good time. So of course you're back. How have you been? We've been good. It's been busy. I was going to say, you've been very busy. I see all the stuff you're working on. Tell the three people that don't know about Smart Money Mamas what's going on there. Well, not the whole thing, because that would take a long time, but just the That would take a long time. Yes. Smart Money Mamas, we got two new things going on. We just launched a new product suite called the New Mama Money Plan. So we're working directly with brand new parents about how to financially prepare for a baby from like budgeting to estate planning, uh, planning your career post baby, which is really exciting. Uh, And then we're launching a YouTube live show June 1st. So busy on both those projects. Crazy busy. And I'm so excited (laughs) That's got to be intimidating and fun all mixed together. It is. After doing the Mama's Talk Money Summit for two years, live video and interacting with our audience that way is like my favorite thing. So I can't wait to get back. Oh, I I will. I will take audio over video any day and I'll interact and have fun. Like if we can, can have interaction people, if we could have our whole community here on audio, that's great. But we get Mm -hmm. the video. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pass. (laughs) But uh, one, I'm going to brag on my friend Chelsea for a second. A lot of people, you know, have their 15 minutes of fame on TV. That wasn't enough for you. You got one of your products on TV. I did. We got to have our family emergency binder on the show dead to me on Netflix and their producer actually emailed us to ask about the product placement. And I almost deleted the email joke. Cause I was like, what is this nonsense? Like there wasn't really an email signature. And then he actually called and left a message and was like, Hey, so they needed a product that very much fit with our family emergency binder does. And of all things, somebody on the prop team actually had purchased and used it in the past. And so they were like, instead of trying to mock up one of our own, why don't we just use this thing from Smart Money Mamas? And yeah, it's in two different episodes of Dead to Me. That is so crazy. That's so awesome. (laughs) And speaking of awesome, we have never introduced her before. Not earlier on the show. Paul (laughs) Pant is here. Can we, can we introduce you all, now? Are we good now? All I have to say is that I really want to know if this episode is going to be the day that I have a chance to Chelsea Brennan, Chelsea Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out, but we've got a great discussion first because we've got Paula here. We got Chelsea here. We got Len here. We're about to have a great discussion, I said, but first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, let's talk fad diets and money. Here we go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. 
Paul has been waiting to say that line for a week. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I'm very really excited. <laughs> because it can happen today, actually. Exactly. Because I'm in last as usual. Oh, technically I'm tied well, for last. And I think Chelsea has to go first. She does have to go first. So, so she's not going to Chelsea Brennan anybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's about to see what it's like to get Chelsea Brennan. <laughs> Yes. Today's piece comes to us from a blog called both sides of the table.com. It's written by Mark Suster. And at first I, I didn't think this had anything to do with money, this, this piece. And it's uh, how I lost 65 pounds in 18 months without any fad diets or gimmicks. And it's this great story about a man who lost a bunch of weight and yet He doesn't talk about how it was keto or uh, intermittent fasting or only grapefruits or uh, any, any fad diet. He just pretty much made himself a budget. I'm going to, I'm going to consume X. I'm going to make sure that's less than, than, than what I spend. That number is going to be less than my calorie consumption and shock of shocks. He lost a bunch of weight and he said he feels great. He talks about how to get started. He also talks about why a lot of diets don't work and asked, is food the most important thing or exercise? And I'll give you a little spoiler. It turns out that it was probably both. And what's interesting, I'm going to link to this because if you're looking to lose weight, it's a super place for a starting point for people that want that. But for me, it was just a jumping off point to a whole different thing, which is he talks about fad diets and he talks about what's really important and what's not important. And I think that there's a ton of analogies here when it comes to your money. So Chelsea, you're our guest. I'm going to start with you. Biggest fad diet that makes you, you're scrolling through social media and you see somebody says something and you're like, oh, that's a fad diet with your money. What's that thing? Okay. So you go to one of two ways. I'm going to go with no spend challenges, which is people saying like, I'm just not going to spend money for 30 days or for two weeks. And this is going to like help break all my spending habits where it's really just, just like dieting. This is going to be a binge at the end of your no spend month thing, right? (laughs) We're going to be completely deprived and then we're going to overspend in, in three to four weeks. And so that's one that I'm always like, what's your reasoning behind this? How is this actually going to help you long term? I used to have that happen when I was a financial planner. I would warn people, do not go on a strict diet because they'd be all excited, right? You're finally getting mm-hmm. your financial act together. We're meeting, we're talking about your budget and we're going through and we're working on how much they're going to spend. And I warned them, don't go on a shoestring diet because at the end you're going to go, hey, we didn't spend any money for a month. Let's go buy a big screen TV on credit and celebrate. And it was, it was horrible. And it also breaks the rule that budgeting is supposed to be an evolution and a way we're continually choosing how we spend our money. And though this is a reason that people set that super strict budget, they break it and they're like, see, I just can't budget yeah. instead of like setting something that they know has to be flexible and work with them. The budget's the problem, not me. So I'm just <laughs> going to get rid of budgeting altogether. Yeah. Len, how about you, man? Yeah, Fad diet? I, I would... The fad, I was going to say that actually it'd be the same thing. It's, you know, as a matter of fact, somebody just wrote, wrote to me today saying about, Hey, he has a no spend Friday and I was like, okay, no spend Fridays. Well, that's good. But there's seven days out of the week, you know, maybe you should up that to no spend, you know, maybe only spend only on Fridays. But uh, yeah, I think it's the day where you decide not to spend or you, you say, I'm only going to spend on minimize the number of days I'm going to spend in a month, something like that, something really 
extreme like that. Or maybe, hey, I'm only going to spend, you know, the people that say, hey, I'm only going to spend 10% of my income and I'm going to save the other 90% so I can retire by the time I'm 30 years old. So, But I'm wondering, I want to ask about this no spend Friday thing because I remember Tim Ferriss in the four-hour diet or four-hour, is it called the four-hour diet, the four-hour cookbook, I think. Uh, the four-hour chef. The four-hour chef. He talks about losing a bunch or of weight. Or the four-hour body. <laughs> You know what? It was in the four hour body. You're right. It wasn't the four hour Mm -hmm. chef. He talks about losing a bunch of weight and he said, this may not be the healthiest way to do it, but for six days you eat this way, you cut out carbs and you eat a certain way. And then on the seventh day, right? You have your massive cheat day. And so Mm -hmm. I did this and I lost weight. What was interesting about my cheat day, Len, was that I ate so grossly on that last day. What I learned was the stuff I put in my mouth on my cheat day was really the problem. And I didn't want to eat like that. Like I went from at the beginning of this diet to loving my cheat day to at the end, hating my cheat day because I felt so bad after donuts and ice cream and just all of this wonderful food. Uh, I felt like crap. Maybe, maybe there's a lesson there. I guess so. I mean, maybe you do find out if you do spend, I mean, uh, you're actually making the case for the, the fat, I guess is, I mean, you're making the case that, Hey, if you do train yourself not to spend a lot and then you end up spending and seeing the impact on that day of, on your bank account. Yeah. That actually could demoralize you or make you realize, Hey, that really is stupid. I'm wasting a lot of money. So yeah, I guess it can work that way as well. And to that point, Chelsea, maybe the no spend challenge for a month I mean, you do learn some things about yourself over a short time frame. Like I, I can live without this for a month. And I was, you know, th- th- let's go back to the eye roll. Same thing. Everybody talks about the lattes, right? Yeah. I can live without lattes and who knew? And I think the argument to it and the one place we've talked about it in our community is like do a no spend week and then do exactly what you said, a spend week, like do whatever the hell you want to do for seven days and then make notes throughout both of those weeks of like, how did I feel? How happy was I actually? Did this actually make me more content? And then figure out where the middle ground is and where it works for you, where your spending values actually are. But just trying to do the no spend on your own. I'm not sure if it, it identifies what you're actually trying to learn. Yeah. I like that instead of the AB test, Paula, what's your fad diet? Well, you know, so as, as this conversation has been going on, I've been trying to think about another example of fad dieting in the world of money and budgeting wise, I can't think of a better example than what we've already discussed, but in terms of investment, I guess fad investment is whatever the latest FOMO YOLO FOMO investment is. So whatever people are buzzing about on Twitter, whether it's individual stock investors who are all piling into AMC theaters and GameStop and Nokia and BlackBerry, and then all of a sudden everybody is FOMOing into crypto and, and like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, say, I'm not saying that cryptocurrencies are a quote unquote bad investment. That is absolutely in no way what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you FOMO into it, because Everyone on Twitter is blowing up about it. And so you had no, you were paying zero attention to it seven days ago. And now all of a sudden you're YOLOing everything into it. That is the wrong reason. It might be a good or it has nothing to do with the underlying asset class. It's the wrong reason to go into it. I wondered a couple weeks ago out loud on Twitter about uh, Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live. 
And the whole time he was on Saturday Night Live, Dogecoin was going through the floor uh, during mm-hmm. that time. And I was wondering if, Paula, to your point, if there were a number of people that had gotten into it because of FOMO and all of a sudden realized it was a big freaking joke, like all, yeah. like the first time ever that they realized that there are people laughing about this coin. Honestly, I, I have a friend who bought Dogecoin on 419. Um, because it was trading at somewhere around 30 cents. And he was like, I bet it's going to get to 69 cents on 420. (laughs) 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 And in fact, it ended up getting to 69 cents the day before Elon Musk did his Saturday Night Live appearance. And so when he went on SNL, it was trading at around 70 cents, 75 cents maybe. And then of course, once he got on SNL, it then like tanked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dogecoin itself was created as a joke. It was created as a parody of a cryptocurrency and, you know, kind of to illustrate the like, haha, wouldn't people buy anything? And then sure enough, they did. <laughs> right. right. It's so interesting, Len, looking back over the, the years, I'm going to Len for the old guy reference routine here. <laughs> uh, but you remember, it feels a lot like 1999, right? Like pets.com yes, and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the internet, you know, that I remember sitting, Cisco's, I remember Cisco, well, Cisco's still around, but sure. I remember that the Cisco was the same thing. Well, I remember sitting with a growth fund manager and Chelsea, with your experience, you'll, you'll appreciate this sitting with a growth fund manager who was telling me all the rules had changed. And that, and that, and that, that the old rules of looking at spreadsheets and tracking fundamentals, that was all out the window. Cause now it was only technology. It was, it, it was crazy. Did you get in on the tech boom, Len? A little bit. I did. And, uh, I don't know how I turned it, it you know, cause I, it was diver- I diversified. So it's, I really didn't get hurt by it, but I know a lot of people, I've, I think I've shared this story before my father and I've spoke of Cisco because at the time Cisco, matter of fact, I graduated with a guy who got in with Cisco almost at the ground floor. And he's the guy's, you know, boy, is he in, yeah. <laughs> he's in good shape. I wish I got a job at Cisco sure. when I got out of college. Anyways, my dad jumped into Cisco late in the game. He got really caught up because it was going through the roof. It was the hottest stock at the time. People were like, well, gosh, they're server company. I mean, it's the internet. Gosh, you're stupid if you don't invest in this. My dad got in at the top and he lost his ass on Cisco. Oh, no. Uh, and yeah, he did. If there was a point there where he was making some good money and then he just held and, and, and it went down. But yes, there was others. And then there's others, companies like Pets.com. My gosh, I can't even so think of many. so many companies. So many. The, like the van grocery. Remember the, the, the original grocery van grocery stores? I think it was um, it was the gro- it was the van with the big peach on the side. But it was an early Internet grocery store company. That one uh, didn't go too far either. But yeah, there were so many of those companies. And you could it's like Dogecoin. You could make money early on, it, but this, these were, it was for the wrong reasons. And over the long term, it, the fundamentals didn't pan out. And if you held, you got bit. Yeah. It shocked that the world actually was the same as it had been before, before that run up. Uh, we're looking right now at a couple of hot markets, Chelsea, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing people really foam over a couple investments over number one crypto, right. And number two, mm-hmm. real estate where, People even trying to buy their first house are going, I'll waive the inspection. I'll you know, forget everything. I'll give you 20% over asking price. Just let me have the property. I don't even need to look at it. Which one of those blows up first? Oh, boy. <laughs> or do you think they're going to blow up? I mean, I think the market will ultimately correct. I think crypto is one of those places. I'm not super 
into it. I'm not, I don't invest in crypto, but it's one of those places that makes me nervous because of stroke of the pen risk. You get, you know, trying to undercut big national currencies at some point, governments could just decide you can't use that as currency to pay federal bills or whatever it is. And so stroke of the pen makes, makes me nervous with that. But at some point, you know, the real estate market has to correct in a way of if you're waiving inspections, if you're not putting down enough on a down payment, it's way too easy to get underwater. Right. And so I actually was just talking recently about our first home buying experience. We did the inspections, we did all the things and we got hit with massive maintenance costs in the first year, like over $35,000 in maintenance costs in the first year. That's a hell of an inspector you had. It wasn't, we had the HVAC system crap out. We had, it was the record-breaking snow season in Boston that started the day we moved in. So we got an ice dam. And then the one thing that was missed is that we had a covered deck that held up our roof that was not actually attached to the house. And so when we got, when that got caught, we had to jack the roof up. And anyway, we had a ton of maintenance that had to be done. And those things do happen. Maybe not that in that a grandest scale, but if you're like pillaging your emergency or small emergency fund to buy a house you know, at some point people are going to end up stuck in those homes because they're underwater. And so I think it does correct at some point calling which of those goes first. That's hard. Paula? I disagree that the real estate market is going to crash for a few reasons. Number one, we have had a steady pattern of declining inventory that has gone on for several years. In fact, in February of 2020, Freddie Mac put out a warning that the inventory levels were dangerously low. And now that was February 2020. That was prior to the pandemic, which only halted construction, it halted renovations, and it further depressed the inventory. And so new household formation relative to supply of homes has for years and years has for for about a decade has steadily been declining and that trend was accelerated by the uh, pandemic you know and so number one we have like supply and demand is such that demand is substantially higher than supply and, and that is that is a trend that has been going on for a decade and that's a, a direct result of population growth and household formation relative to supply number two lumber prices are through the roof and that fundamentally causes the cost of both new construction and renovations to increase when lumber is double triple quadruple what it was even a year ago then the cost of construction the material cost is going to be significantly higher and then you add to that higher labor costs as a result of you know labor shortages that are pandemic related and then you add to that if there's any inflation and i think there's a I don't mean to be an inflation hawk, but I think there's at least a reasonable likelihood that we are going to see inflation in the next couple of years as a result of some of the stimulus that's gone on. And when you've got inflation, um, you're in a situation where labor and material costs continue to rise, while meanwhile, people who have fixed rate mortgages have stable payments on their homes. And so for all of those reasons, you've got better qualified buyers with fixed rate mortgages. As inflation increases, they're more likely to be able to maintain the payments on their homes and the cost of both labor and materials continues to rise. So what breaks that? I don't think it's going to break, meaning I don't think that there's going to be a decline in real estate values. I do think that when lumber prices decrease, that will cause a leveling out. So I think that it's it's possible that at some point real estate values will plateau. They will no longer continue their upward growth trajectory, but I don't think they're going to decline significantly. I think I'm I'm just going to move into a vacant office building. Mm. <laughs> 
for all the people yeah. moved out during COVID, the businesses that aren't coming back, I'm going to move there. I think Paula sounds like Dr. Irving Fisher in 1929, <laughs> where stock prices reached a permanently high plateau. <laughs> if you want to see what's going to happen to the housing market, watch interest rates. Interest rates drive the market, not lumber prices, nothing else. It's interest rates. And when interest rates start going up, because when you're buying a house, you, you know, you're buying a payment. Most people are buying a payment who aren't obviously aren't paying it with cash. So you watch those interest rates. If interest rates start going up, that, that's when the housing market's going to going to fall. But as long as the Fed can keep interest rates down, then that will I, that should support the housing market. It should. Well, again, getting- that's my two cents on that. But getting back to the stuff that we can control, right? Instead of taking out our crystal balls and putting on our tinfoil hats, let's look at at some of the behavior though now. With all this cheap money, Len, what it appears that we're seeing from some people is when you talk about buying a payment, you know, I'm not worried about the person buying a Lamborghini who can afford the Lamborghini. I'm worried about the person who buys it because their neighbor owns it the person who's in this bidding war for this house that really can't afford to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that happens. And that's what gets most people in trouble is the ones who want to keep up with the Joneses and are, are letting others influence their purchasing decisions. So I absolutely agree. It's, I can't disagree with you on that, Joe. It's well, uh, self-control. It all comes down to self-control. There's also an interesting point here where something is different, where we have moms in our community whose 13, 14 year old kids have downloaded the Robinhood app and are buying GameStop, buying Dogecoin. And like the parents are coming to us asking, what do we do about this? Is this safe? They think they're going to make a ton of money and they're putting themselves in a lot of risk or investing money. They don't even really have like parents money or whatever it is. And so that makes, you know, you nervous too. You don't only have adults who are making emotional decisions about buying, but now you've got kids who aren't educated, who are taking a lot of risk. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because one of my friends just texted me and his daughter had a Robinhood account and she freaked out because she realized that Robinhood without her asking, she thinks because without her asking, uh, I don't know if they asked or not. So to be clear, I wasn't there, uh, gave her margin, right? Yep. So this young woman is, is I think, uh, 20, 21 years old and thought, wow, all of a sudden I've got this margin account and I don't really like it. What do I do? And she and her dad move to Fidelity's brokerage account. But I'm wondering, I started smiling and I wanted to tell that story because I'm wondering if Robin Hood's out there giving 13 year olds margin. Like, like, Well, and they're not even supposed to be giving 13 year olds accounts, but this is just like when they used to do like, are you 18 and over button when you had to go to a yes. website, right? Like, yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Jackdaniels.com. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Don't, uh, most of these brokerages, don't they give you the option to buy on more? You can choose to buy on margin or not buy on margin when you first open your account, right? There's a lot oh, of most- questions though, Len, through the traditional brokerage houses. The, the answer is yes, but there's a lot of questions. But man, Robinhood's margin question <laughs> is, you know, c- can you fog a mirror? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting because my daughter asked me when she just started investing, you know, got into the investing game a couple months ago and she opened up her Schwab account. And the, one of the first questions was, do you, you know, do you want to basically have a margin account? And yeah. I told her, I go, absolutely not. And what's funny is over the weekend, she, she, she wanted to make a purchase this weekend. I said, well, the markets are closed and I mean, I guess, but uh, uh, you're going to have to, and besides you couldn't do, pay anyways, because she had tried to transfer her money. Well, she did transfer money in the account, but it was still pending. So she couldn't have made a trade even if she wanted to because she didn't have enough money in her account because she doesn't have the margin account. So Len told his daughter, no, absolutely not to margin. I told my kids, no guts, no glory. So, 
you got to be. But you know what, Joe? I think a lot of people and new investors out there, you've got to know what margin is because I think a lot of people sign up for margin accounts and then they get into trouble and they buy on margin. It's almost like they, you know what I'm saying? Maybe they don't even realize they're buying things on margin. I, you know, you can get into trouble. Let's frame that question the way this discussion's framed with this piece is margin up is using margin of fat diet that's going to blow up or what is it, Paula? Oof. I mean, if we're using a diet analogy, margin is like taking dangerous diet <laughs> <Yeah>. pills. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, you're nodding. I 100% agree, right? It's like, okay, this might work in the short term, but you're going to end up in a way worse position down the road. See, I don't think so. I, I actually don't think so. Len? Really? I, I'm with Paul and Chelsea. I had, boy, that's, I, I think that's the anti-diet, actually. That's I think, really dangerous. I think, I just think leverage is a tool. And if you know how to use the tool correctly, leverage can take you a long way. The problem isn't using other people's money, right? Which is what, I mean, margins is another loan. The problem is the application of the tool and the fact the person doesn't have the respect for the tool that they should have. So in that way, I guess maybe it is, Paula, like your diet pill, right? Uh, but I don't know that I'd ever take a diet pill. I don't, I don't know enough about dietary uh, medicine. I also don't know, Joe, we medicine. had, you know, my background's in hedge funds and we had times we were re releasing a new product. We had to talk to lots of different financial advisors about what the product was, a leverage fund. It was a shocking number of people in the room that did not understand what we were talking about when it comes to leverage funds. When I talk about like the 20 year old who signs checks the box margin account, you're right. It can be a tool, but is it a tool that we should be offering like with just a check of a box? Oh, no, <laughs> like, I totally go, agree. Go on your merry way. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I totally agree with that. I totally agree yeah. with that. I mean, that's why I was joking about the 13 year old getting the margin account because. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah. Oh, and they'd have a blast. <laughs> let's, let's go once around the table though, with like the basic thing here, right? He talks about the basics. What is your favorite basic? If you're trying to go on a quote financial diet that works, uh, we'll let our guest of honor go last. Paula, we'll start with you. One of the points that he makes in his article is that, you know, you've got, in terms of the order of importance, you've got things that others perceive as important. Like he talks about his Peloton, which he classifies as gear, you know, that kind of gear, a Peloton bike a, and sleep tracking, a wearable device, that sort of gear that other people think is really important actually doesn't matter that much. It's sort of like on the fringes, but it's not the core. And then he talks about how that core stuff was like really understanding his psychology of food and his psychology of eating. And th those things were the 80-20 of it, right? And so I think taking that analogy and applying it to finances, there are a lot of things that people think are going to be the linchpins of improving their financial life, like a 30-day no-spend challenge or, you know, diversifying 5% of their portfolio into cryptocurrencies and then getting really excited about that. Or even one um, that people hear, and I, I feel mm -hmm. lucky that you and I get to answer questions together so often on, on, on your show and we answer mm -hmm. questions here together. But often people that in our community think is the gear. How many times have people asked us, should I move my money to Vanguard and buy <laughs> VTSAX? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. gear. That's, I, I mean, don't right. get me wrong. It's, it's, it's pretty cool gear, but it's gear. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, should I switch so that I can get a one tenth of a percent expense ratio improvement? Those are the things that people focus on, like the super in the weed stuff. But it really it, that's the super in the weed stuff. That's the if you're already a bodybuilder and you want to 
competing in a bodybuilding competition and you're trying to get from like fifth place to first place, sure. But if you are overweight and you're trying to get to healthy weight, like that's not the stuff that you worry about. Those aren't like the yeah. bodybuilding. You, you don't need bodybuilding supplements at that point. You just need like to eat an apple. So is your point then to focus on the strategy and not the gear? Correct. Gotcha. Correct. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. And fo- focus on the fewer things that matter rather than the many shiny objects that don't. I love that. Mr. Penzo. Well, I think it always, and this is just terrible. I mean, just because it's so, but it's so true. It's so cliche. It comes down to spending less than you earn. But I think what everybody needs to do the most at the most basic level again is set your baseline where you're at, know your income, know your outgo, and then make sure that you are spending less than you're earning. So, I mean, he makes the point in here that you have to measure your results. So you have to set a baseline and you have to measure what you're doing. So, and, and you do that by knowing your income, knowing where your money's going, and then you can determine, you can set, like Paul said, you can set your strategy from there. I think that's at the most basic level. That's what it comes down to, whether it's weight loss or personal finance. I hit, it's funny you say that, Len, because I hit a snag in my weight loss journey. And it was when we moved to Texarkana and I was telling my coach that I just don't move anymore. And so I started moving, but you know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't on a strict regimen of how I move and when I moved. And then I bought some gear, Paula, mm. <laughs> I bought a watch that would tell me how often I move. And it's funny. Cause now every day I make sure I move and my weight loss has begun again. Like mm. the last week, all of a sudden Len, to your point, measuring but you don't need a fancy watch to do it, right? It isn't. No, I mean, but that's I, good. It's awesome because it's right there that watch. You're getting feedback on your wrist constantly. So, so, I mean, that's really good when you're being reminded constantly of what your input, your output, your, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that is just incredible. So yeah, that's exactly right. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the show, but for people that missed that episode, I, since I brought up my watch again, I own this thing for five days. The first day I had it, I worked out. The next four days, I did nothing. And my wrist buzzed. I looked and Garmin was giving me an achievement. I'm like, like it's a video game. Gave me an achievement. And my achievement was (laughs) (laughs) well-rested. I'm like, even even my fitness watch is smack talking me. I got to get my fat butt out moving. Yeah. Like, okay, Garmin, game on. Uh Chelsea, you got the last word. What's a basic that you really like? All right. I'm going to give you a basic, but I got to talk about this line at the beginning. of. So he says in how to get started, the first line, I'm not a doctor. So if you have any health issues, you should obviously consult a healthcare professional before. With that said, dot, dot, dot. This feels a lot to me like all the basic financial advice that we give that is without in so many words being like, unless you're in poverty, unless you have a disability, unless you're in all these different situations, right? It's easy to say spend less than you make when you don't make eight bucks an hour and are trying to raise two kids, right? So I think a lot of this, you know, as much as the article was great and there were so many positive takeaways, I'm going to talk about one of the ones that I think relates to money. You do go through this article and you're like, oh, this dude bought a wearable tracker. He bought a Bluetooth scale. He had Noom sign up for a while. He had daily harvest delivering him food, right? And at some point you're like, okay, there's a lot here. Yes, you're doing basics, but all this feedback, it does help. And it does help build that habit. And so when we're talking about that, like everyone can do it, just follow these simple rules narrative. We do have to also talk about like, you're getting a lot of help here still in this article, even though you're like, I just went back to basics, right? You're saying he's got a lot of gear. He's got a lot of gear. He's saying gear is not important, but then he's like, I've got a lot of gear and I can afford a lot of gear. 
and 90 minutes a day to work out. Right. That's another like. Well, he did it in stages, too, though. Right. He started he did. in the beginning. He had almost none of that stuff going on. Right. He had the 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 uh, nooms. That, that was it. And then a stage two where he hit that plateau, that initial plateau, and, and he had to figure out a way to get around that plateau. He added a few more items to increases feedback and then the third stage and then the fourth stage and by the fourth stage the guy is like you said he was loaded with he was getting feedback from everything absolutely and i think that that's like so my best takeaway that goes back to the basics here is he talks about how new made him look at his emotional relationship to food and i actually think very similar to our emotional relationship with money it starts with kids when we don't have a lot of awareness about it and so what triggers are spending what triggers are eating we're not aware of it. And so the more that you can do that emotional work first, figure out what your money stories are, figure out what your triggers are, they get easier and easier to avoid because just the awareness of them, like he said, you don't go to the movie theater and get a giant tub of popcorn, you bring a healthy snack, right? You don't go out to drinks for your friends, you invite them over to play a board game because you know you're going to buy five super expensive drinks if you go out with them. It's that understanding the emotional triggers. Today, we have a very special Friday FinTech segment. Normally here, we're going to talk to a creator of uh, something cool that you'll find on your phone or on your computer. And don't get me wrong, we're doing that today. However, I've been really frustrated. There is a huge gulf between people that like to work on their financial plan themselves and people who hire a financial planner. And there are there should be. There should be tools that are much more robust than you can find online to give you a much more accurate view and some accurate uh, sandbox what-if scenarios then exist. Well, guess what? We went out, we found a partner, and we are bringing one to you ourselves. We call it the Stacking Benjamins Retirement Design Lab. But of course, in the basement, we have another name for it. We call it the Stack-A-Lotter, right? You want to stack a lot of Benjamins? This is going to be the tool that will help you plot your course toward doing that. We always talk about begin with the end in mind. So the creator of this is our good friend, uh, certified financial planner, Steve Chen. So let's talk to him about his new retirement tool, the Stacking Benjamins Retirement Design Lab. And here in the basement the man behind the stack a lotter. And I know that that was, he was wanting to call it a stack a lotter from the beginning is my friend, Steve Chen. How are you, man? I'm uh, good, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's great to be here with you in the, in the basement. Well, you know, it's a rare privilege for you. I'm sure hanging out in mom's basement, but of course the cookies, no extra fee. Right. So that's good. Yeah. That's awesome. I love the, uh, the giant Benjamin behind you. That's well, thank uh, you. Pr- pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. It's, it's funny because that's a Facebook ad. I, like I saw a Facebook ad for that thing and went, Oh, nice. I got to have it. Yeah. Talk about frugal. That's, 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 cool. that's not very frugal, but Hey, let's dive in. This originally wasn't called the stack a lotter. It's the new retirement planning tool, but yep. you've allowed us to make some tweaks about the way that we offer it, put the stacking Benjamin spin on it, which I appreciate. We love the tool. So let's talk about how you begin. Where did this idea come from initially to create the new retirement planning tool? Basically, the reason this got started was that my mom came to my brother and I when she was in her early 60s and she was like, hey, listen, you know, I, I need to borrow some money this year. And this was kind of during an economic downturn. Of course, we we're like, yeah, we can help you out. 
she needed $10,000 and we're like, all right, we can do this, but can we kind of dive into your situation and really understand what's driving this need? Because, you know, we have young families and the idea of kind of having to, uh, add this additional expense was a lot. And so luckily she said, sure. And we, we looked at her situation. Well, first we, we tried to actually help her find assistance from like a financial advisor. The reality was, you know, she was facing kind of these more complicated decumulation challenges, like really looking forward for 20 or 30 years and understanding what, what important decisions she had to make and how those would affect her life. And um, most advisors, one, were focused on accumulation only. And then also she didn't, her net worth wasn't that big. It was like $250,000, including her home equity. So Many advisors today, they're really focused on, it used to be half a million, then it was a million. In many cases now, wealth advisors, they want you to have at least $2 million when you walk in the door, but they really can't spend the time because of how their fee structures work. I remember to your point, Steve, just over the years, like just watching Merrill Lynch as an example, getting rid of all their clients, I remember below $100,000, right? And then uh, $250,000 and then half a million, like over (laughs) watching that number go up, like it was some serious inflation. Yeah. I mean, it reflects the wealth concentration in this country. You know, 20% of people in the U.S. own 85% of the assets. So uh, there's a lot of money to be made servicing those folks. And and uh, it's much easier just to spend your time and energy there. So anyway, we, um, you know, ended up fixing our situation on a spreadsheet. And as we were doing this, there were a lot of decisions that had to be made. It wasn't just like, how do I save more and invest better? I mean, that's definitely part of it. But it was like, what do I do with my home equity? How do I think about health care? How do I think about Social Security? How do I think about Medicare? You know, should we downsize? So we ended up making all these moves and we really focus a lot on expenses, right? So that's a big part of FIRE as well. It's like in financial independence, like, hey, get your expenses down and really understand that. So we did this. It was a multi-year process. We also made some other moves with her and, you know, we fixed her situation up and we saw, hey, there's 120 million people in this country over age 50. Everyone we look, you know, we see around us is worried about this and there doesn't seem to be a great low cost, super scalable solution. So we started working on it and we've made it into a SaaS product. Now there's a free version and a paid version that uh, is kind of, some people think of it like TurboTax for planning. And we started with retirement, but it's evolving into kind of just general financial planning. It's interesting that uh, you mentioned people over 50, but when I, when I even look at the tool though, and I think about beginning with the end in mind, Steve, I also think that for people under 50, like figuring out what you're going to have to do and starting to get a little granular, maybe, maybe earlier than a lot of people think they should can be really helpful. For sure. You know, a friend of mine came over yesterday, you know, one of the first people I've seen kind of post pandemic to visit me in the, in the garage here <laughs> with your version of the basement. And, uh, you know, he was saying, hey, listen, I've I'm started using your product, which is cool, like in the wild. And he's like, it's really helping me. He's got young kids. So he's like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how, am I, how much should I budget for college and how is the 529 going to work? And he recently came into a little money. So he's like, OK, should I get a second home up in Tahoe or not, you know, should we fix our current house? And we had a good discussion around, you know, you really have to kind of think about these things because it's easy to kind of, in that situation where you have, like you come into some money, crank up your lifestyle, right? Lifestyle inflation. And I'm like, well, you know, you could also potentially insure your whole future in a huge way if you make some more frugal choices, but at least he's really seeing how he can see the trade-offs between these decisions and, and understand what they might mean over the next 10, 20 years in his life. So much of success, I think, is just beginning with the end in mind. So let's dive in to, to how it works. So we'll send people to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash retirement calculator. And it really is more of a basis of a financial plan than just a calculator, what we have here. So a way to figure out what your milestones are, but walk us through it. So people go to that link, 
stackingbenjamins.com forward slash retirement calculator. And what are we going to see and how do we get rolling? So basically there's a process that most people follow, which is, you know, you create an account, you go through this onboarding process and we have a fast way, which is a couple minutes, or there's a more comprehensive way, which is, you know, five to 10 minutes. And we're going to ask you about your income expenses, assets, and debt. And then from there, you're going to get to the dashboard, which will look forward in time kind of give you an initial assessment of like, what's your probability of success? What are kind of like the different scenarios that you're looking to, you know, do you have a 90% chance of, in a worst case, we're kind of like, hey, 90% of the time, you're going to be this or better, but your kind of average projected forecast looks like this. And we look at it from not just assets, which is how most people think about it, but also income. You know, we're really, we're running Monte Carlo behind the scenes. And really the, the process people go through is, First, build a complete plan. So really, you know, what's different about us is you think through and and we educate you as you go through, like, what does my income look like now and what might it look like in the future? You know, how should I think about my assets, not just my, you know, qualified everyone's, you know, most people, most of our users are piling money into their 401ks, but some of them have taxable assets. Many of them are thinking about Roths as well. You know, do they have funds in an HSA? Think about, you know, other income sources. They have dividend income, they have a pension, they have social security. Dive into your expenses. So we let you do high level expenses. You know, hey, I think I'm going to be spending this much money when my kids are, you know, younger and then this much maybe when they go to college and then maybe it drops down after they graduate. Or you can build a, a detailed budget. We also go through housing and it supports, you know, if you have kind of a own or rent. And then also if you want to think through, oh, and what happens if I potentially downsize in the future? With, you know, what's happened with COVID and people being able to live or many people being able to do remote work, many folks are looking at low tax states. So, you know, we'll forecast this thing is also doing tax forecasting behind the scenes, which is a big factor that many people don't really consider. But like when you layer in federal and especially state taxes, you know, I live in California, right? So if I move from California to Texas or Washington, states with no income tax, you can see that my state income tax goes away you know, that can have a, a massive impact. So you walk through in more detail, your income, your expenses, your assets, your debt as well. And then healthcare will, there's a component where it'll help you model healthcare, like what you're paying today. There people have generally three phases of healthcare. They're working. Many people get employer-based healthcare. Many folks, when they post working, or say they're doing gig work or they're taking a break before social security, they retire a little bit early or Medicare kicks in at 65 they have to fund their own healthcare. And that's like a huge challenge for many folks. We, we help sure. you think that through and model that up. And then also once you're in Medicare, we're actually hitting Medicare's engine behind the scenes and we'll pull in your forecasted costs based on your health condition. So if you tell us you have high blood pressure or you smoke, it'll adjust. And also where you live, it'll adjust your expected costs that way. So it really gives you a comprehensive picture of like what this might look like. And then essentially what you're doing at a very high level. So as you're, you're setting up a complete plan, we're helping you see what your opportunities are, which might be do better with social security, do a bunch of tax efficient moves like Roth conversions, or, you know, explore how you can make your portfolio a little bit more efficient. And then essentially the, the product's about taking action and then monitoring it. Now, those parts of it are getting more and more built out over time. Meaning it's going to provide some advice in the back end once you input all of your data? Well, today what we do is we look at our product more as like planning and guidance. We don't want to call it advice. We do have advice. You can hire an advisor through us, like an advisor that's on our team. 
But that's actually you're working with, we have an RIA inside of this company because there's a very big difference between like, hey, you're using a tool yourself like TurboTax, you're getting results out that give you some ideas that you can explore. And then you're paying someone money and they're telling you exactly what to do. The latter is advice and it's highly regulated. And so it's a different relationship. So you can go from planning to advice. We do leverage, it's, we, we think of what we're doing as collaborative planning, if you opt to use services. But most of our users, they're doing it themselves. They're building a plan, they're exploring it, there's a community around this, you know, they're learning from sources like you where they're going out and, and getting educated about what some of their opportunities are, or how these things, mechanics work. And uh, Did you just accuse us of teaching something? Stop that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't, you're going to wreck my reputation, man. Yeah, but so basically that's it. It's really like, you know, build a plan, see what's possible, decide and take hopefully smarter decisions and then monitor it over time and stay on track. I mean, it is, you know, we're all facing hopefully long retirements or lives and with financial independence and we have to make smart choices to maintain that state. So I've got 85 questions based on what you just said to dive into it even further. You mentioned with onboarding, there's either a fast way to do it or a slow way. Obviously, there's a cost benefit to logging in the fast way versus the slow way. What does one give me that the other one doesn't? Sure. I mean, it's really mostly more precision. You know, we ultimately, we to make good decisions, you want to look at your whole situation with as high resolution as possible. So if the system knows more about where you live, what your income looks like, what your taxes are going to be like, then it can make smarter and smarter suggestions. So it's really just getting you to a payoff faster or slower. So there's an initial payoff of like, hey, I can kind of get a quick high level picture in the dashboard when I first come to it. But really, if you want to see what all your opportunities are, you should go through the process of building a complete plan, which might take you another 15 minutes. Gotcha. So I could do the fast way just to begin, get some wide paint brush strokes, Steve, and then dive in and fill in all the blanks later. Exactly. It's meant to be used over time. It's not a, it's not a one and done thing. Okay, sure. Next is assumptions. Do you decide what the assumptions are for things like inflation, you know, the cost of college going up as an example, or do sure. I input all those things and, or, <laughs> or, or do you give us a suggested number and I can tweak them if I want? How does that work? Yeah, that's it's exactly what you just said. So we provide some suggested numbers based on historical data. We do break inflation's a huge driver for people's outcomes over time. You know, if, if you uh, have 3% inflation for a long period of time, it'll cut your buying power in half. A hundred bucks today will buy like 50 bucks worth of goods and services in 20 years at historical inflation rate. So we do separate inflation. This is an example, but for standard goods and services, and then one for healthcare, one for housing. Many of our users have been asking it separately for Social Security because they don't believe, even though Social Security is supposed to be indexed to kind of standard inflation, many folks are like, well, they actually give lower cost of living increases than what I see at the grocery store, right. which is what, what's most important. It's magic. So, it's magic. Yeah, exactly. And then you talk about probability of success and you mentioned Monte Carlo uh, simulation running in the background. I think that's awesome. But I'm also an Uber money geek. A lot of our fans of the show, very casual money geeks. So can you explain what that means, Monte Carlo simulation? Because I think this is pretty powerful. Yeah, it is a really complicated topic, but it's important to understand. We have spent a lot of time upgrading our architecture so that we can do this for everyone in most cases and then do it quickly. Essentially, what you're doing is you're running a simulation or a series of simulations forecasts in the future about what is likely to happen based on 
what's in the system and also historical performance. It's it's mostly geared to investment assets. So like the stock market historically has gone up, call it 7%, right? But there's also a volatility around that. So in any given year, it might be up or down 18 to 20% around that 7%. So what happens is you run passes that simulate, okay, what happens for the next 20 years, year by year, you're kind of running it over and over again. And you're saying, all right, in 80% of the cases, you know, you're above a certain threshold or 90% of the cases you're above a certain threshold. So it's a way to predict what is most likely to happen based on historical data and including variability and probability. So does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I love that too, because of the fact that I feel like when I first started financial planning, we would give this degree of uncertainty that, you know, I've long ago learned is frankly not true. It's not a pass fail Mm -hmm. thing. And initially in financial planning, that's what I treated it like early in my career. And most financial plans treat it like either you, you, Hey, you're going to make it or no, you're not going to make it. And then things change, you know, year 2000, 2007, 2008, uh, maybe people lose their job. They don't put money in the way that they think that they are going to, what all kinds of things can happen over time, which is why I like Monte Carlo so much better because instead of this hundred percent, I don't know. It gives me some uh, hope if I've got 65% and not to talk too long here before I ask you my next question, but it reminds me of, I was listening to this guy in the radio a few years ago, Dr. Dean Adele. I don't know if you're f- familiar with him, but he's had this national radio show for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about a study that showed that if you told a patient that there was a 95% chance they were going to die, they would die. Like, yeah. and, and, and I don't know who did this study. But if you told them there's a 95% chance of dying, they would die. But if you told them there was a 5% chance they were going to live, way more than 5% of those people actually lived. So the hmm. optimism I feel with a Monte Carlo simulation that says, hey, right now you have a 55% chance of success. In the old days, I would have said, you're host, Steve, because <laughs> yeah, right. you only have a 55% chance of success. But I also know that as people, you know, plan too late in life and don't save enough money, I think if you tell somebody that thinks that they're host that you actually have a 55% chance of success, yeah, that's fantastic. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. It's super important. And in fact, so we just made a big change to our dashboard and it's a risk because we're kind of highlighting the probability of success. And I think the framing of it, you know, that you're highlighting here is is super important and there's definitely work to be done. I mean, we you do want to position things the right way. And I was actually having an interesting talk with Dana Ansbach. You know, she's a financial planner and, you know, she has a very robust method for kind of assessing people's probability of success and and a lot of that stuff we're doing and planning to do anyway, do as well. But she does something that you're doing, that you're describing as well. She kind of, they frame it as like, Hey, yes, you know, you have an 85% chance of being successful. Great. And in the 15% chance where maybe it doesn't work out the way you had anticipated, you can actually make small changes and be fine. And I think, most people, when they think about this, are like, yeah, well, there's 50% chance that like everything's horrible and it, I'm just done. And that's not the truth. It's like, the reality is, okay, maybe there's a few situations where it's not quite as good. And yet, you know, for a couple of years, you might have to, you know, not go on a nice vacation, but like, that's the extent of it. It's, it's not like the end of the world kind of situations. Which brings up my next uh, question. Good transition there, because most of the questions that we get on the show from stackers are what if scenarios, right? They're like, Hey, uh, we're thinking about going from two incomes to one. 
What would that look like? I'm looking at private school for my kids versus public school. How, how do I save for those? What's the difference between those? If I retire right now versus maybe semi-retire, cut back and work less for the next 10 years, uh, how does that look? How robust is this when it comes to what-if scenarios? Yeah, that's the core gist of what we're doing everywhere. So the tool has the idea of a base plan. Plus, you can create scenarios. You can create five scenarios if you want. So you could have a scenario of like, all right, well, I'm just going to work till 65 or I'm going to retire at at 55 and I'm going to move to Mexico for five years or I'm going to retire at 58 and move to Texas, whatever it is. There's you can create those and then quickly pop between them and manage those independently. But also just when you're building a plan, every time you make a change. So, okay, what if I work a little bit longer or less long? it recasts your whole plan in real time, which is what I think people really love about it. They're making changes and they can see, oh, here's how it affects my income, my future income, my assets, my probability of success. They're messing around and like seeing, oh, I really can kind of get my hands. They can one, see what levers matter, right, for them. And then that that varies if you have a lot of money, if you have less money, you know, if you need social security, if like social security is everything, that's one, one way. If it's like, I've got a ton of qualified assets as something else. Uh, So they can see what matters to them and they can pull those levers and see what happens when they make those changes. You talk about tax planning. I mean, that makes me imagine that I could throw some data in there if I'm uber nerdy and think about if I put this money in a Roth versus putting it in a traditional, like, uh, because we get those questions all the time. What if I pay off the mortgage early, you know, versus take that money and invest it, all those scenarios. Yeah. So what's interesting is that's what the product does today. You can run those scenarios. Where we're actually going with this thing is, Sometimes we we talk about like Tesla. So Tesla has a bunch of cars. They're driving around. Tesla's watching what these people are doing with their cars. They're building maps and they're using that to build self-driving cars. We're doing some of the same stuff at an not personal, but like aggregated data. We can see what kinds of actions lead to lead to success. We're rolling out tools like there's a Roth Explorer that will look at, okay, Joe, here's your qualified assets. Here's your future income, your tax. And, you know, we're looking at all your marginal tax rates and the, the, the Roth play is basically like, hey, find lower income years, convert your qualified assets into Roths earlier, maximize those marginal utility rates. And then that's that's a winner for you, or it's a kind of a te- risk-free arbitrage, tax arbitrage. So it does that. This kind of stuff is available only to advisors normally, but in our tool, you can press a button, it will run it. It will tell you, here's the conversions to run, but from which account and which years, including multiple accounts, and it's basically running tons of simulations behind the scenes to solve for that kind of optimization. So that's kind of directionally, those kinds of capabilities for Roth, for social security, in the future, we'll be doing portfolio optimization, like diving in, have the machine do a lot of the heavy lifting, at least to discover what's possible, not necessarily make the change, but like, hey, Joe, look, you could do this, you know, maybe you should check it out and you can go deeper and explore it on your own. I want to dive into what this costs. And before we do that, if you're new to the show, anything that is a Stacking Benjamin's named product like the stack a lotter here <laughs> stack a lotter because <laughs> you want to stack a lot of them come on yeah uh, it's not going to be free i mean just yeah. to let people know we we don't do free and the reason i don't do free is because i believe two things number one if you have skin in the game you're going to use the tool first of all second of all i also think that free tools whenever i've used free tools you get what you pay for which is mm-hmm. which is not much And I also think for me that it frankly demeans something that's a really good tool. I have yet to find something that was free and valuable to me. It it, it might be valuable to somebody, not to me. So we don't do that. We do good stuff, not free stuff. 
So if you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash retirement calculator, you can take a look, but there's a fee for it. Let's talk through the fees. And by the way, stackers, there's going to be some other things we're going to roll out later on, on top of this that I'm super excited about, can't talk about today. By the way, I also wouldn't wait for those things. If you're ready to start planning, don't wait for Joe to change the game because the base tool is going to remain the base tool. So with all that, Steve, yep. <laughs> let's talk about what it costs. Sure. The Planner Plus costs $8 a month. We charge it as $96 a year. So it's an annual fee of 96 bucks. And yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, we believe a couple things and we, we see this too. Most of our users are savers and planners. You know, they're better than average. You know, they've got some savings. And, you know, if they were going to a traditional advisor, who's charging 1%, if you have half a million bucks or a million bucks, you know, it's five to $10,000 a year versus this $100. So you can have a very powerful tool, get started on your own. And, and many of our users use it and they, they actually send their plans to their advisors and they're like, oh, how does it compare? And so we get a lot of that, that feedback. But I totally agree with you. Yeah, if people don't pay for things, they tend not to use it and value it. And also we built our model this way on purpose. Most of financial services makes money two ways. One is charging a fee for your assets. If that could be in a mutual fund fee, that could be an advisor or something else or transaction fees. So you're not directly paying. We think it's important for people to pay so that we work for them. That's harder because a lot of people are like, well, I can, there's all this other free stuff out there. Well, it's not really free if you're paying out the wazoo and you have no idea, right? It's not transparent. So we really believe in being upfront and being transparent and we built that into our business model. And that is exactly why we wanted to partner with you, my friend. Two other things, by the way, for people that uh, if you buy it soon in the next few weeks, I know we're planning with your team to have a Facebook Live where we actually walk through it and we'll talk to people about how it works, kind of teach you a little bit about using the the Stack a Lotter tool and uh, some of the scenarios that I think about with financial planning. And then I know inside the tool, you also have other layers. Like you mentioned, people can hire advisors if they want to, if they want to hire an advisor there. There's also, I know you guys have additional training on your end. I should mention there too, you have a podcast that we need to talk about, which our friend and contributor Paula Pant's been on recently yep. as one. Yep. For some reason we haven't been on, but whatever, I won't take that personally. <laughs> That's okay. But tell everybody what's going on there because you have a lot of fun on the show. Yeah, you know, it's uh and, and by the way, I'm I'm very I'm very much looking forward to having you on our show. <laughs> yeah, it won't it won't be as meaningful for you as this is for us. But uh, yeah, right, you know, right, right. It has been amazing doing the podcast. You know, we had very low expectations, but you get and have these amazing conversations with very interesting people. Like this week on Thursday, the former CEO of Vanguard, uh, Jack Brennan's gonna come on. And so we're gonna get some insight into, you know, what it was like building Vanguard. He took over from Jack Bogle, like what the culture I mean it's like the fact that you get the time of day from like folks like that, Morgan Housel, we had a Nobel Prize winner on it. You know, I mean, it's a combination of like, hey, let's talk about retirement. Let's talk about life and money. And, and let's also explore some economic or social issues, not necessarily social, but like kind of more of the economics of, uh, you know, what's happening in the world. But it's been fascinating. It's awesome. And I love it. And, it, and by the way, it's the new retirement podcast. We'll also link to that in our show notes. Steve, thanks a ton. And uh, we're so happy to partner with you on the stack I know that uh, you love the name. I love <laughs> we're, it. <laughs> and we're, and we're rolling, man. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash retirement calculator, everybody. Thanks a ton, Steve. All right. Thanks, Joe. It's been great. What? Joe, come on. Ask my virtual assistant first before you bang in my door to do the trivia segment. It's International Virtual Assistance Day. 
So, yeah, I, I've hired my own assistant. The only issue is, dude's been here a week, and I'm having a hard time getting him to actually do anything. Before I go lay the heavy hand of truth on this kid, let's get you to today's trivia question. Mr. T always laid some truth on some bad guys, and today is his birthday. He reportedly earned an estimated $80,000 a week while performing on the 1980s TV show The A-Team. So how about this? How many episodes of The A-Team were there in total? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can offload some of your own work. Well, for those of you new to the show, we have a trivia challenge every week between our three regular contributors, uh, Len, Paula, and OG. And because OG has the day off, Chelsea, today you're playing on behalf of OG. And this score is tight a third of the way through the year, nearly a third of the way through the year. OG is in the lead with seven, which means, Chelsea, you're going to kick this off. Len has six and is the returning champion. He will go second and Paula for who knows what reason also has six. She's never this close this time of year. I don't know what's going on, but uh, that means Paula gets to go last. So Chelsea, you are kicking this off the a team. How many episodes? I'm going to apologize to OG straight out. I don't even know what the a team is. So <laughs> you, 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 you've, you've no idea what the a team is. No, <laughs> no clue. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Cause that's not even your line. That's Paula's line. I also don't know what the A team is. <laughs> oh my oh, God. I'm not alone. <laughs> do, you, do you know who Mr. T is? Uh, guy in commercials. I think. Oh, I feel like we've God. seen the gifts of this person. <laughs> Len, shoot there's, me. Just shoot me now. Len. A, oh. <laughs> oh my Lord. So I'm going to go with <laughs> 63. <laughs> Chelsea, how'd, Chelsea, how'd you come up with that answer? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Len. This is the part, Len, where you take the stogie out of your mouth and go, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Which, by the way, Chelsea and Paul have no idea what that's about either. No, I, I, they, I'm sure they don't. Let's see. I'm I'm reluctant to even give any strategy out here because I know Paul is going to Chelsea Brennan me uh, <laughs> based on what I say. So, hmm. Well, okay. Let, I'll just I'll we'll talk it out. What the heck? It's not like I, I get a, a you know ten thousand dollars for the championship here, right? We were just so changing it to you getting. 10, oh, you 000. were. Oh well, then I then I won't say a thing. No. Um. <laughs> let's see. I that show was had a pretty good run. I think it had, gosh, that show had to have been on at least six or seven seasons. And let's see, back in the day, I think there were 23, 22 episodes a season. I'm going to say, I'm just going to do a little, I'm going to say 154. 154. Paula. Well. It is a show. <laughs> what I'm aware of is that it is a show, apparently a famous one. To uh, a certain demographic, at least. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> apparently to a certain older demographic. I guess for me, the only question is, um, is Chelsea closer or is Len closer? And if so, given that Len knows the show, I'm going to guess that Len is closer. Don't so do it, just Paula. over or under is really the question. <laughs> 
Are you are you, you saying work in a Chelsea Brennan Chelsea Brennan? You got not Chelsea me. Brennan right here. I this know, right? <laughs> it's my chance to Chelsea Brennan, Chelsea Brennan, but I think I'm going to Chelsea Brennan, Len Penzo. <laughs> <laughs> I think you Chelsea rascal. Brennan is going to escape un Chelsea Brennan. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I'm I'm begging you, Paula. If you Chelsea Brennan me and you are wrong, I know, right? Chelsea <laughs> Brennan could watch us Chelsea Brennan each other and Chelsea Brennan will win. And then my plan will come together. <laughs> I feel so bad. I feel so bad for people where the, this is their first episode of our show. <laughs> like, I have no idea. The eight, I didn't know what the A team is. I don't know who Chelsea Brennan is. I got no idea why she's a verb. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mr. T can do it on commercials though. I think I got that part right. There's like commercials. The dude. There, there's we lots of commercials about, with the dude. We won't even talk about George Papard. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so Len, your guess was 154. Yeah, yeah, Paula. Don't do it, Paula. I'm begging you. Don't, oh. Chelsea. You can't. You can't, Chelsea Brennan. Me. Oh, but I will. <laughs> it's just over or under. That's the only question. I'm gonna go. In the direction of Chelsea. So I'm going to go with 153. 153. And Chelsea Brennan escapes on Chelsea Brennan. (laughs) To live another day. (laughs) I love it when a plan comes together. 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 They got him say it at the end of every episode. We'd love to find out, Paula, if you, Chelsea, not Chelsea Brennan, Chelsea Brennan, and instead Chelsea Brennaning Len, I think I'm confusing myself, is a good <laughs> strategy. Uh, we don't do that yet. We'll be right back. Hey, Staggers is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to he is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? Uh, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join, open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for their us based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to navyfederal.org org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to 
what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. All right. You kicked it off, Chelsea, with uh, 63 because of your uh, love of this show, apparently. Exactly. Yes. My intense knowledge of the A-team. <laughs> Just great. And uh, Mr. <laughs> Penzo, you kind of with uh, some serious math and 154, feeling good? Well, no, I, I'm not feeling good because I, the app because behind the scenes here, the people didn't hear. I know I'm I'm not feeling good at all, Joe. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. You got to play along a little bit. Oh, sorry. So okay, so got to have a little bit of theater here. The fourth wall, you can't knock down the. Is there how many yes. walls are there in radio? Just say I feel great. You feel great. Very confident. I feel good. Yes, Paula, 153. How are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I think that the winner is going to be either myself or Chelsea Brennan. I can't figure and out. I will how soon you know learn that. whether I should have Chelsea Brennan, Chelsea Brennan, <laughs> or whether I did the right thing by Chelsea Brennan and Len Penzo. Uh, my head hurts. So Doug, take it from here, man. <laughs> who's who's gonna win this thing? Hey trivia fans, it's me, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. Get this. My assistant, Casey. Still nowhere and not answering his pager. Well, that's the last time I used Texarkana Community College for the VA. He's assisting the biggest star in town and showing zero gratitude. Zero! But the good news, I think I have a solution because I found a place for Casey's replacement. And man, they must be good because they call it the VA. That should work better. I'm going to go give this kid a piece of my mind. But before I do, let's get back to today's trivia. The question was, how many episodes of the A-Team were there? The birthday boy of honor, Mr. T, was a big star with the A-Team, which filmed a whopping 98 episodes over five seasons. Turns out that Paula should have Chelsea Brennan, Chelsea Brennan, because she is the big winner. And Len, oh, I pity the fool, Len. See ya. Paula. I told you. I should have Chelsea Brennan, Chelsea Brennan. Chelsea Brennan. Which is all a big mind trick, everybody. Chelsea (laughs) Brennan, Chelsea Brennan does, even though we didn't Chelsea Brennan her. Chelsea Brennan does. Chelsea Brennan won without Chelsea Brennaning. (laughs) It truly is Chelsea's favorite show. She was texting me (laughs) earlier. 
It was all a big game. In every episode, all 98, multiple times. <laughs> and Chelsea loves it when a plan comes together. I do. Right. I'm shocked. Did it say how many seasons that show was? Because I, I could have swore that show was on more than it longer than five, that, five seasons. That's it. Okay. Five seasons. Wow. Yeah, it seemed to be like the hot thing, Len, and it was yeah, here it was and, really hot. Here and gone in a few years. Mm-hmm. Our family mm-hmm. watched all the episodes. Hey, uh, before Chelsea gloats too much, let's take out a magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, Chelsea, you know what you find? What do I find, Joe? <laughs> Those financial products you use every day. If it's at a brick and mortar bank, probably not the best in class because over 92% of the stuff that's out there, whether it's checking accounts, savings accounts, all ranked head to head against each other. In fact, I went to magnify money when I got my ally high interest savings account, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money to see how everyone ranks against each other. Today, we're going to help anonymous with their money. And Paula, you and I have a tradition where uh, when we have a caller who's anonymous we we assign them a name so Mm -hmm. paula so somebody reached out to me on twitter and suggested a name they suggested the name ida last name no ida no (laughs) that's so that's so good (laughs) and uh apparently len chelsea don't get that you you maybe want to explain it again so they get it (laughs) first name ida last name no Come on. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Boy. Got an I don't know here. I don't get it. Say hello, Anonymous. Hey, Joe and OG. Anonymous here. So three years ago when I started listening to you, I was about 13,000 in the hole. And I figured if these jokers can get it right, so can I. So today I'm 25 years old. I've got a net worth of about $19,000, I'm quite proud of that. I've got a W-2 income and self-employment income. So here's my situation. This year from self-employment, I was able to score a deal for $20,000. Now, that's more money than I've seen in my entire life, my entire net worth, basically. And I want to handle it well on the tax front. I'm thinking the move is to put the remainder of my contributions to a regular IRA as opposed to a Roth IRA, and then to maybe just bite the bullet with the rest of the taxes. I do have a simple IRA for my W-2 job which I believe is similar to a 401k, but I don't want to ring any alarm bells with my boss as to why I'm suddenly increasing my retirement contributions. Any help you can give me on this would be greatly appreciated, though I do promise and solemnly swear not to learn anything. Say hi to neighbor Doug for me, because I know he's running the show. See ya. Thank you for that, Anonymous. And uh, congratulations, by the way. On all that, on starting early, on uh, on getting your financial house in order at a young age, and man, the twenty thousand dollars in extra income besides your W two job that's that's fantastic. So let's uh, let's begin, uh, Chelsea. You're the guest. What do you think? I think necessarily switching from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA might not be the best move, depending on what his overall income is. I think necessarily changing strategies just because of one income windfall. If he still has a relatively low income, paying the taxes now at a relatively low rate and having the tax-free growth might still be a better move, even though it might save him today. Yeah. Uh, Len? 
Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I, I think um, I don't know what his total income is. I assume it's relatively low. I figured he'd be better off paying the taxes up front. I will mm-hmm. say this, though. You're not that anonymous, anonymous. One, I know you've I've we've listened to you. I've heard one of your questions before, and I loved you in Goodwill Hunting and Batman. So, Ben Affleck, thanks for calling in. <laughs> Paula. So here's what I think. I have a lot of faith that Anonymous's income will go up over time, given that he was $13,000 in the hole a couple of years ago when he started listening to this show. And now, despite not having learned anything from the show, he's in a much better situation. I think that his income is going to continue to rise and that he will find himself in higher and higher tax brackets over time. And so I would recommend putting as much as possible into a Roth IRA right now because I believe in his upward trajectory. Uh, And then on top of that, his comment about not wanting to raise any red flags by putting more money into a simple IRA, I wouldn't worry about that. I think mm -hmm. that he should, after first he maxes out a Roth IRA, then the second thing that he should do is put as much money into a simple IRA as possible. And don't worry about the boss raising eyebrows. You know, if A, it's none of the boss's business, and even if it was, there's plenty of reasons why a person might have the capacity to put more money into a simple IRA. Maybe he hypothetically moved in with his parents or moved in with a significant other who's paying the rent or, you know, any any number of personal factors can free up a person's budget, which allows them to make bigger retirement contributions. Chelsea, you're nodding your head. Yeah, I agree. I think in general, employers don't pay a ton of attention to the percentage that you put in. I will say with a simple IRA, it indicates that this is likely a much smaller company, um, in which case they might know more about your your life story anonymous and whether or not you've actually moved in with your parents or significant other. But I think most likely it's not going to raise any red flags. And even if so, you just tell them that you started listening to this badass podcast about money and that they should do it too. The boss should do it as well. And, and, uh, and it's going to be pretty exciting for everybody. And then say hashtag to the moon at the end (laughs) and and they'll they'll, they'll get it. Should we do that? Should should we like steal that for the Stacky Benjamin show? Stacky Benjamin's hashtag to the moon. No, everybody's doing it. No. Okay, fine. Uh, I I have one more thing. And that is if if the self-employment income is going to be consistent, you know, I like the idea of the traditional IRA, but I also like the idea of setting up your own retirement plan uh, through work as well. Because even though there's a maximum amount of money that you can put in total retirement plans, that would give you the ability to maybe put in more if you're if you're already maxing the one to work. So I don't know what the future is going to be with your self-employment income, but if that's the case, there might be an opportunity there too to talk to a tax advisor about. So that's all I had to add. Nice job, guys. Thanks for your answers. And thanks to you, Anonymous. Wait a minute, not Anonymous. It's Ida. Ida, no. Ben Affleck. Listen to him. Listen to him. It's Ben Affleck. Listen. (laughs) Uh, If you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and we'll argue over what your name is too. And maybe answer your question. All right. That's going to do it for today. Again, we'll let our guest of honor go last here. So, uh, Mr. Penzo, what's going on at lenpenzo.com, my friend? We look at the science behind value. It's an interesting look at uh, what value is versus price. So lenpenzo.com. Come on by, folks. It's not what you pay. It's what you get. I don't know. I don't know. Paula, what's happening at Afford Anything? 
on the Afford Anything podcast, we have an interview with Michael Hyatt and his daughter, Megan Hyatt Miller, where they talk about how to both win at work and succeed at life. So it's work-life balance, except work-life balance implies that there's a bit of a trade-off. They talk about how to excel in both arenas. So that is on the Afford Anything podcast. An interview with Wharton professor Katie Milkman, where she talks about the science of behavior change, is on the Afford Anything podcast. And of course, we always have a guy by the name of Joe Saul Cihai joining us every other episode to answer questions from the community. A guy who I heard knows math. That's what I hear. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And that's all at the Afford Anything podcast, where finer podcasts are found. Oh, only the finest yes. podcast can be downloaded. And I forgot, Len, <laughs> lenpenzo.com, only on the finest internets where the finest blogs are downloaded. And where the persistent itch can be downloaded as well. That, that's right. <laughs> Chelsea, thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me back and for letting us say Chelsea Brennan about 5 million times. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> anytime, anytime we could do that. Oh man. What's, uh, oh. what's going on with you? you? I don't know if I should ask about the podcast. Should I ask about the new video series? Should I ask about, about a million your, things? Yeah. The what the hell should I ask about? Uh, so absolutely check out our most recent podcast episode. We have Denise Duffield Thomas on talking about money mindset and money relationships in relation to building your own business or side hustle. That's a great new episode out. And then tune in June 1st to our YouTube channel. We'll be doing a weekly live show. On only the finest YouTube. Only the finest. <laughs> Where the finest YouTubers go. I don't, I don't know. What do you do with that? All right. We'll have links to everybody's stuff on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Doug, you got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our roundtable discussion. Like dieting, focusing on financial gimmicks might get you short-term results, but the key to long-term financial and health-related success is to focus on the real game changers. Second, begin with the end in mind. Using a good calculator can help you identify what steps will help you meet your end goal. But the big lesson? Uh, so, uh, funny story. Turns out, get this, that, that, that Casey is actually Mr. Casey. And, and, and he's the professor of the business class that I thought I was finding my assistant from. And uh, yeah, I'd actually signed up to be his assistant. And now... Um, apparently I'm fired to learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. to learn more from Len Penzo. Just head on over to lenpenzo.com to check out more from Paula pant, tune into the afford anything podcast and to use the new Stacking Benjamins financial calculator, the Retirement Design Lab, a.k.a. the stack a -Lotter, head over to the stackingbenjamins.com slash design. Chelsea Brennan can be found operating the Smart Money Mamas podcast wherever you're listening to us. Big thanks to our friend Chelsea for all the fun again on today's show. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it appears I've fallen and I can't get up. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. 
That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. You know, we talked about the A-team earlier and uh, shows that you like grew up with in our apparently intergenerational <laughs> roundtable that we're having today. So uh, Chelsea, when the family gathered around the television set when you were young, what was Chelsea's favorite show? Ooh, my favorite show was Gilmore Girls. What we watched as a family every week without fail was Lost. Uh, you watched Lost. You, you got Lost and Lost. We did. You know where Lost lost me was when I heard a, an interview with the writers of Lost and they admitted they had no idea where it was going. Yep. Yeah, they made it up as they went along. <laughs> and that, imme- that immediately lost me. I'm like, I thought there's this big thing going on. Whole plan. Like, yes. What happens when I press this button? If the writer doesn't know what happens when you press that button, how am I supposed to know? Yeah. Did you guys watch Lost? No, 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 I've never seen it. I keep intending to watch it because there are so many references to it, but I've never seen it. It's good. You know what, though? They didn't fall into the trap and there started to be a backlash around, I forget, season three or four, where it it really did become apparent. They didn't know what the heck was going on. I mean, they just kept going and going. There was a backlash and they finally said, hey, we've got so many open threads. We got to start closing these things up. So, yeah, but it was good. I I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Len, while we're talking, while you're talking. Well, that's, I mean, that's when I, you're saying when we were kids, right? Yes. Or younger or whatever. So for me, it was, I mean, gosh, I mean, the Brady Bunch, obviously, <laughs> which I'm dating myself here, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was, oh my God, I love that show. My old house in Texarkana looked like the Brady Bunch house. I mean, not exactly, but Did it was it? that same style, that same staircase coming down to did a you, sunken Did you see on, and- I think- was it uh, on, uh, I don't know, Home and Garden Channel or one of those channels where they actually, somebody bought the house. Yes. Bought, you know, when they showed the house in the beginning, because it, it, it was obviously a stage set, but they went in there and they turned that house into the actual Brady. They re- renovated it and uh, they did, they, it was pretty cool. That was That's a cool show. So awesome. And you could have bought it, lived in Greg's room. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> or Marsha's room. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> It's a family show there, Lynn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, Paula, how about you? So uh, when I was a kid, some of my favorite shows were Step by Step, Full House, uh, Saved by the Bell. I can't imagine, Jeez. though, having met your parents, that you and your parents oh, yeah. gathering around the TV watching Saved by the Bell. 
No, no, definitely not. In fact, my parents often criticized me for watching Saved by the Bell and told me it was going to disrupt my studies. Um, and so as a family, we never really watched anything like my, my dad would watch the news when he came home at night, like the six o'clock news um, or the nine o'clock news, you know, whatever time we could. But other than the news, like there were no shows that we watched together. We had the 24 VHS set of the Ramayan, which is an epic Hindu poem. And uh, the whole thing's in Hindu. A a 24 VHS VHS set. set. Yeah. We also had another 24 VHS set of the Mahavarat, but we didn't watch that quite as much because we were more like a Ram worshiping household than we were, you know, like the Krishna worshiping. So anyway. Um, Yeah. So like. Every now, essentially what I'm saying is every now and again, we would watch Hindu epics, but that was about it. You know, other than news, we weren't a TV watching family. I think I'm just going to end there. I I don't know where to go now. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I killed it. (laughs) No, it's fantastic. How do do I, how do I beat that? I have no idea how to beat that. The 84, 84 uh, CD collection of all all the Hindu hits. I, I don't. I don't. But, I, but I myself loved Tiny Tunes. <laughs> Tiny Tunes were, were wild. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.